on the ridge walk today and it's really quite windy as well as being very warm and I thought I'd start the talk a little bit earlier in the walk than I normally would because um, I'm aware that once I've walked up on the ridge it can be quite exposed so I'm not sure how easy it's going to be to record without horrible amounts of wind noise so let's see what, see what I can fit in oh. and it is a gorgeous day You can hear the the wind here. I'm walking through a plantation. Um, it's turned into all coniferous plantation here. And uh, what I wanted to talk about um, is about the self and. I think it's pretty well known that in Buddhism one of the teachings is that there's no permanent separate individual self um, which is a teaching which is pretty hard to get your head around I must I must say because so much of our existence seems to be seems to be based around the fact that we are this separate individual And in part I'm talking about this because it's kind of where I'm at with my training, I think, at the moment. Where I'm, I, mean, I guess we're all working on different things at the same time, but this um, interplay between the reality of the self and the unreality of the self, which seems to make sense, both of those things together, strangely. They both seem to make sense, like so many things in, in the real world. They don't just have one aspect, they don't just have one appearance. Um, so I just need to climb over a stile here. So, just about to enter a large field. So we'll see if it uh, we'll see if it's just too windy to carry on, in which case I may have to restart later up the hill. One of the things I love about this walk is that there are some really amazing trees. Um, right by the gate into the field, there's a huge oak, and then along the boundary. There's a couple of huge oaks as well um, and then one massive tree in the middle of a larger field which I think may indicate that it used to be divided up into smaller fields and maybe that was the corner of the fields that it was once divided into. It's hard to tell but it's a pretty amazing landscape. Uh, yeah, so self. Um, I was thinking of I was thinking of calling this talk the uses of the self, the uses of self, which is a bit of a steal from a F.M. Alexander book. He wrote a book called The Use of the Self. Um, but I was thinking that I could talk about some specific ways in which we use the self and also ways in which we can use the self in 
training. So it's a kind of, um, again, double-edged, light and dark aspect of, of self. Uh, and with pretty much everything, I think it's really important to understand both both those aspects because uh, actually properly understood, the dark aspect of anything isn't so dark. And equally, the light aspect isn't so isn't so lacking in darkness. You know, um, something which is reflected in all over the scriptures, actually. Um, things like in light there is darkness, in darkness there is light. Um, again, I think we all know we all know this. So anyway, let me talk about some specifics with the self. If I talk about some of the conventionally conventionally negative stuff um, one of the ways that I've seen my kind of experience of the world and of things in general is being a kind of mosaic in some ways of truth and things I've imposed upon the world um, and it's hard to know how much sense that'll make to any individual listening to this. But I think anyone who's had the experience of being very sure about certain things and then realising that they were wrong um, will probably have an idea about what I'm talking. And, uh, and the, the mosaic aspect is actually something which I think is one of the reasons why the whole, this whole practice is actually fascinating and difficult and rewarding. Um, because it's not that we start from a state of total ignorance um, or total delusion um, and I think we recognise that, we see that in in our daily lives um, just, just breathtaken by an amazing view across the field here not sure if I can take a photo without mucking up the recording but uh, quite something, uh, just the, this massive standard oak tree in the middle of a field that's just freshly harrowed and just retrieved it from the field. Um, again, I'm hoping this isn't too noisy wind-wise. And um, part of a big part of the practice for me is gently over the over months and years looking carefully. Um, and in the past, I've looked at things almost like a landscape, where you look out and you see you see things clearly. And then sometimes you realise actually that bit over there, that thing that I'm very sure of, that thing that I've told myself is true and I've made a little kind of uh, fixed point in my life um, that doesn't look quite right anymore that looks a bit fake and looking at that carefully you suddenly see it almost like a painted flat in a theatre which has been you've kind of set it up in the landscape and and so when you see it that no longer has its power over you in a sense you, it kind of falls over and you can see behind it and 
you see the you see the real view behind the the truth the truth behind there and uh, I found that landscape analogy quite useful for a long time and then later on it became more like a room looking at um, looking in looking around inside a room seeing what there is really is there and seeing what's real and what isn't real within within the room in terms of what comes up in seated meditation um, but obviously that's reflected in in our day-to-day lives as well you know we tend to uh, these these kinds of constructs have an effect um, in our day-to-day life it's not just about it's not just about how it is in meditation in fact if it was it wouldn't be quite wouldn't be a hugely useful thing to do it's, it's very much about the whole the whole experience of life so that you could say that self is the thing which perpetuates these delusions and these the falseness if you want you could say that but another way of looking at it is that the self is the thing that trains with the delusion without the self how would we have a framework how would we be able to bring our attention how would we, we be able to apply meditation to to these things to these provisional truths things that may have been helpful for a while but now just aren't really very helpful anymore so so I think it's very useful and important in fact to not see the self as a bad thing um, I think I did for a long time I, I in some ways tried to make myself disappear uh, through meditation I thought oh, if, I, if I can scrub myself away I'll completely disappear and everything will be fine but I think that's a, that's a one-sided view and that's very much looking at the self as a purveyor or a supporter of delusion and kind of forgets the other side of it which is that we are a supporter and purveyor of practice and truth ultimately and I also think it's important to realise that in fact um, being deluded uh, being still with delusion and finding truth beyond the, the delusion is is Buddhist training so if you try and make the self disappear there's an extent to which you're actually trying to make Buddhist training disappear um, and that's um, that's not really helpful I think ultimately I mean it can get you a fair way but it, um, in the end I think that's something that needs to be looked at and discarded as you know if it's time to discard it discard it course that doesn't mean that in discarding it we are no longer prone to or purveyors of or carriers of our, of our delusions but um, it ceases to be a problem any more than 
the presence of rotting vegetable matter in a compost heap is a problem. It's actually very much not a problem. I think it's also worth saying that the the consequences of acting on our delusions um, basically we're acting on clinging to ideas and clinging is the cause of suffering so we suffer and that suffering is on the one hand painful negative on the other hand it's the most amazingly powerful feedback it's it's the ultimate performance review if you like from a from a business perspective in that you very quickly hopefully get to understand where we're where we're individually mucking up a bit and very often wrapped up with that comes a better understanding of how how better to to handle things Things are never really black and white. Things are not necessarily easy or simplistic. Things are complicated and messy and human. So I'm not really talking about, a, again, a pure light and pure dark situation. It's much more interesting than that. But I also think there's an element which can be if you if you don't really see that it's can be quite discouraging particularly in the early years uh, where you can go through a phase where there's a quite a lot of darkness coming up and sometimes the question may be asked well why am i doing this <laughs> i'm feeling worse i'm feeling worse than i did before uh, and again i may have i think i quoted the other day that Winston Churchill quote of if, if you're going through hell keep going uh, it's definitely definitely the way to go so maybe that's enough I was going to try and talk about the more positive aspects of the self I think I've kind of touched on that, how in fact the, the bits of self that we are training with, rather than it necessarily being a struggle with ourselves, it becomes much more of a, a fascinating investigation and then a kind of collaboration with ourselves, almost like an ongoing experiment. And there are some wonderful illustrations of that uh, called the ox herding pictures which uh, I I know are available online if you search. Uh, Sometimes known as gentling the bull. Um, And um, that shows these various stages really well. And it's worth saying that these aren't stages that you pass through once. Um, You're sort of passing through every stage simultaneously. Sometimes different stages take the four. But it's also very useful, I think, to have the overall arc, the story, in a sense that those uh, those pictures give as well, because that's that's important. So uh, I don't know. Maybe there's another talk to be done on on other aspect other aspects of the self.
Actually, I will say one more thing just before I hit the, um, the big slope, and that's one aspect of self, an aspect of ego, can, again, can be just um, can be discouraging, which is uh, the idea that we're somehow specially broken, um, specially unable to be helped by the practice, and um, I think that's. It's very interesting because that is ego. That is massively egotistical, actually. <laughs> Not wanting to... If anyone's going through this, I don't want to make you feel worse about yourself. But um, it's certainly become clear to me, uh, as I've struggled with this kind of question over the years, how um, there is a huge, uh, huge aspect of egotism to that. And a great deal of the practice, that I, as I understand it, both in terms of Lay, lay practice in, in daily life out in the world and in, 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 um, in monasteries as well is just getting on with it not standing in the way of the practice and allowing it to do its work on you and um, again as I've said a few times in these talks the only thing that can really stop that is, is giving up because it's almost as though although I don't think we guide our training and practice and the results of practice um, in any in any in any very um, exact way it's not like we're we're driving it's almost it seems to me we almost give permission we're almost saying okay I'm ready whatever it is <laughs> I'm ready now and um, and then whatever whatever it is comes up so maybe that's um, maybe that's nothing maybe that's um, dealing with not having anything particular to train with at the moment, but keeping going um, without looking for fireworks or particular states of mind or feelings of importance because you've got a big chunk of karma to deal with. But it, it may be that um, actually that frame of mind is in the midst of or brings about feelings of recognition of certain mistakes as well. So then we, we train with that. And uh, again, I think everything, all of this stuff is more interesting than we could possibly come up with ourselves. It's, um, we kind of let go into the infinite in a way. And uh, I think Reverend Master Jiu, the founder of the order that I, uh, I'm part of as a, as a lay person, um, she said, first you play with the fire and then the fire plays with you. And um, it sounds a bit scary, but actually it's, it's rather, I think, magnificent. Um, because, again, we think we're separate from the fire, particularly when we're starting out. I know when I first went up to, to the Abbey, I felt incredibly... Um, well, a, a, a mixture, really. I felt incredibly behind everybody else, in a sense. I saw people who seemed to be really sorted out, and I didn't feel sorted out whatsoever. But also, going up there... I went up there with a knowledge of something of the value of this person here, um, the value of myself in some inexplicable way. Um, I don't know how to describe it. Um, you could, it's been called um, the smile in the heart. Again, that's something that Reverend Master Jiu talked about. And that may, that may be meaningful for you. Um, so I went up there with two different aspects of self, really. The one which recognises the true value of me, whatever I am at this moment. And also my 
uh, in a sense, a container of um, of mistakes and delusions and fears and worries and uh, self-imposed limitations and all sorts, all, all, all the all the negative stuff. Um, I suppose I concentrate on the negative stuff because that might, I'm a bit of a depressive personality, and there are other people who might might have turned up with with different um, a different set of things in their pot, but. Um, I think that was that was more mine, um, and I think the key thing was turning up, uh, being prepared to turn up with all my fears and misgivings, and giving permission, in a sense, for my heart to open up a bit, and for my even for my issues to be seen. Not that I'm not that I would say acting stuff out is a is a good idea, but. Um, so there again, there's two two aspects of self. That the, the, the something that knows within us that there is something of of value there, of great value and great potential, and then all of the all of the other stuff which we kind of get along with. Um, and I think everyone is like that, and I think that's totally fine. In fact, I would say it's being a human being and part of the practice is not really to be anything more than a human being and not you, you can see that holding on and pushing away is about idealism and there's an extent to which idealism is actually rejecting reality for for ideas uh, ideas which are in in some ways in quotes better than reality and I think part of the meditation, a very big part of the meditation, is actually just sitting with things exactly as they are. And then things as they are can tell you exactly what it is. And again, we learn what our capabilities are, what our scope is, in a way. And our capabilities are simultaneously negligible and infinite. Um, and again, it's it's much more interesting than any any ideas certainly that I started out with. So anyway, I hope that's made even a tiny bit of sense to people. <laughs> I don't know. Um, feel free to um, give me some feedback uh, on Twitter. Uh, I'm at jwelby on Twitter. Um, Anyway, I'm going to continue up the hill on this incredible day. I hope you're having a good day and stay well.